Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Whitney McDonald and I'm the deputy editor of Bank Automation News. Joining me today is Stefan Linter, chief executive and co-founder of FinTech Gico. He discusses why automation can be challenging for financial institutions and how CFOs and other corporate finance professionals can de-risk their idle cash. First, thanks for having us on the podcast. Um, the industry is going through, at least in, in our perspective, the same kind of cycles it's gone, sadly enough, every 10 years or so. Too much leverage, too much overconfidence, people building too quickly, and then not a correction. So it's been compounded with COVID and, and, and all the stimulus. So it's been inflation that we haven't seen in years. And so in the last six months, the market has drastically changed. If you're the treasurer or you own a PE firm or you own a bank's balance sheet, everything you knew about investing, which really meant zero rates on cash for at least 20 years, is suddenly completely gone through the window. And now you have to worry about access to cash if you have to raise it, um, ability to, so cost of capital um, is not cheap anymore. Um, you need to keep your cash on hand and and get as much yield as you can while trying to avoid uh, risks. So um, you even a couple of months ago, it was that was already in the market. People start to worry about, okay, now that there's rates and there's yield, what should I think about? Where do I put my cash? Maybe I don't need to be in the stock market anymore. But now over the last two weeks, it's been accelerated and further because with the FTX, yeah, the FTX downfall, suddenly the word counterparty risk is creeping back left and right. People have woken up back to the fact that just because I thought I had cash somewhere, maybe it isn't there. And now where do I have it? Where is my core liquidity, which I'm going to need to pay the bills for the company, the payroll, and and all the stuff over the next uh, few years. So as a treasurer, as a CFO, it's cash management, and all its glory back to what it's always been, which is counterparty risk, mitigate that to the extreme, try to make yield on it, but as a, almost as a secondary thought, and try to navigate all the all the turbulences, hoping for better days, right? So that's that's what the market looks like right now, and it's it's a little scary. So with the scene set of what what today's uh, what the industry looks like today, what exactly can CFOs be doing to navigate this? Well, one of the core things is to come back to core principles. What is cash? What does it exist? Anything that's uh, wrappers around cash is not really cash, right? And so um, you can have it really as as a treasurer. You don't have many choices. You, you could still invest, but those investments are risky into stock markets and others. You have very limited choices if you're trying to think about cash preservation. A typical instrument is typically a bank deposit, but and there are CDs, so you can whatever bank you're leaving your cash at. The big question is going to be. Well, is this bank a bank I should trust long term? Big banks obviously have been shored up and there's been lots of lessons learned from 2008. Um, but still, the counterparty risk exists. So one thing, of course, is to diversify across a few banks. Um, but anything above 250,000 is not insured. It's not just the risk of the bank going under. It's uh, which, you know, banking is not at the stage of roguness that crypto is lately. But it's really also um, even when shocks hit, then sometimes money gets gets frozen. Banks may, may or may not be able to access it. So there's just diversifying your counterparty risk, deciding where you're going to leave some cash on banks. Uh, that's the first tool. The second tool is uh, normally, if you think about textbooks, you should try to get into your government's uh, short-term security. So uh, GICO in particular, uh, we like to. This this is what I observed in 2008 when I joined. I joined Goldman Sachs back then, fresh in the fresh out of grad school with a math degree. I had no experience about banking and 2008 happened. And one of the first things I learned there was that treasury bills, short-term government debt is actually the collateral that banks pledge to each other. It's not cash, cash doesn't really exist. And so what, 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 what treasurers uh, have a choice in is trying to access treasury bills. 
that's a safe instrument. You're facing the US government. The only risk you have is that they may lose a little bit of value with, with market fluctuations. Everybody knows that, but for years it didn't matter because these instruments were yielding zero. And so the way we work around was to simply have money at a bank or invest in funds that hold treasury bills and similar instruments. And those are the money market funds. So as a treasurer, I have a tra access typically to bank deposits uh, with lockdown, lockup and penalties and other things and or money market funds, which are securities. I still need to access them and and I don't get, really get to choose what's in there. I just these are the two choices to try to keep my cash on hand. The last choice is to face the government directly. That's usually not an option. It's really the Treasury Direct uh, government's website is works for retail for corporates. It's a much more difficult animal. It's got limits 45 days before you can draw 10 million maximum limit and, and things like that. So the treasurers have limited choices right now, um, and we're seeing a lot of demand for direct treasury bill access because it's all on, on the theme of removing the risks, removing as many unknowns as you can, peel off the layers around the onions and the wrappers and the, the funds of things that hold things. It's just go straight to the actual underlying um, thing that you're trying to hold, in this case, treasury bills or cash. Now, with those types of tools in place, I want to shift a little bit to which technologies you should have in place, and that's probably where GCO comes in. Um, can you share a little bit about what the GCO offering is and, and what it does? In its current form, it's it's very simple. We're giving the access to treasurers and, and CFOs or, and, and people as well, actually, a very streamlined access to treasury bills, uh, whether through API or through our portals. Um, treasurers can wire cash into their accounts. Um, we make them, GCO accounts are both a bank and a brokerage account tied by the hip. So really all you can do is move money in, move it out using wires. And then on the back, uh, the accounts automatically invest in the latest treasuries of your of your of the maturity you you care for and then hold them roll them at the end you never have to trade a security pick a particular qsip that's the identifier that the treasuries go with so that whole complexity of trying to access the treasury market we've simplified it to the extreme making it look like four we call them pockets we give everyone four pockets the one month three months six and twelve months and all you do is wire into your pockets wire out whenever you need to access and that's it it's really the least sexy product, but that's why actually right now it is sexy because everyone can understand it. Everyone can go to the board with them and say, actually, we're going to access T-bills directly. They're custodied at the Bank of New York Mellon. If Chico fails, we know exactly where they are. Plus, Chico's not going to fail because it has no balance sheet. So it's this really streamlined, simple, simple product that we initially built for scale through automation. And that's part of the dialogue today, but it's, it's also why it's so relevant in today's uh, today's market. Now, speaking of automation, can we talk about where that that fits into the big picture? Yeah, um, well, think about the offering I just described. You have an account that you can wire money in and the account immediately then purchases T-bills for you. And if you need them out, uh, if you retail, you can even swipe a card against your account and you just sold treasury bills and uh, at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning. That level of automation uh, required several years of work um, because we have to go all the way to the bottom at the ledgers, rebuild the whole technology stack at GCO because the normal way to approach that is but what normally happens, you have a bank account, somewhere else you have a brokerage account if you're lucky, you move money from your broker bank to your brokerage, it takes some time. Now you go place, you choose your security, you buy a specific money market fund or a specific treasury bill if you really know what you're doing and wait a day or two to be filled if you get filled and now you have your T-bills. I have to manage that. That's gonna at some point they'll expire. There may be coupons. At some point you want to get the cash back. You have to sell and wait for that to settle. Then you bring the money back to your bank account. Now you can transact. So everything I've described here, we've compressed that 
through automation at large scale, um, our technology platform is able to handle all of that. It powers both our bank and our broker dealer. Chico is not just a technology company. I should have started with that. We're a bank, a broker dealer, which will be regulated by the Federal Reserve, the OCC, and FINRA. And so through automation, we've integrated all these complex moving pieces into a single offering that's streamlined now and simple and safe that everyone can understand. Um, yeah, well, maybe I, I'll emphasize one piece because this is all about automation. Automation is hard um, because of all the compliance layers, but also usually banking is built as an onion layer of layer of layer that's been built of just of technology, right? It started with with punch card machines, then it became IBM mainframes and and and, and layers and layers, some of them all the way to card processing. Um, so that makes automation difficult because you need all these systems to talk to. And if you've outsourced part of your core, you need everything to talk with each other. In our case, we've taken the hard step of rebuilding everything bottom up, but now we have this really unique clean edge that allows us to automate really quickly, change features quickly, safely, um, and adapt our product to the market. And so one of the key for automation is that vertical, vertical integration. That is something that uh, most people will need. And that's what we're so happy to offer now that we've built it the services and the technology through APIs to others who may not have had the luxury to rebuild from the bottom zone. Now you started to talk about it a little bit, but why don't we dive in to why automation is so difficult for financial institutions? Kind of walk us through what that, what you meant by that. Yeah, um, there's different layers in that. The first is that most of the financial institutions were not built as technology firms. Obviously, many banks existed way before the digital age. They used to run on and punch card and machine banking has always historically been kind of the front of technology, always re reacting a little to Silicon Valley, but things slowly come there. Most banks now have mobile apps. 10 years ago, that was revolutionary, but now they've caught up. So banks banks catch up with technology, but they're not built at the bottom on technology because their primary business historically wasn't technology. It's really still is to build the right model to decide who to lend money to and who to, uh, and, and then how to process the deposits. But the hard, Part of the work is the lending book, and that's the whole the financial work. So banks are not by DNA built as technology companies, but vice versa. If all you're thinking about is even if you have the technology, it's still money that you're moving around. So either you're doing it for a bank, and there's risk involved there that the bank will underwrite, or you are the bank and you have your tech stack, which is our case, and you still need to figure out, you need to ask the question all along, Whose money is this? Why are we moving this? Does the customer really want this money moved? Do they really want this security? Is this the right thing to buy for them? Are they laundering money? Are they, is, is this the right amount? There's all these questions you have to ask because once it's gone, it's gone. Or if it's gone to the wrong place and the customer complains, your reputation is down or the regulators step in. So it's it's uh, there's scrutiny around every single little movement, every single piece of software. And that's what you need to build natively. And there is risk processes that are embedded, compliance embedded all the way to the core from the ledger up all the way to your front end and the APIs. So automation is, crypto has shown that you can go really far and we're we're building similarly but we've always that compliant piece that needs to go all along and that's what makes money transfers not so easy technologically a ledger is just a database it's easy to move things between the database um, very cheaply it's all the rest above that all these questions that make it difficult um, one of the key things one of the key points and and of course everybody knows that i'm sure your audiences as cfos and churches and bankers all know what the rates are but let's let's remember and one month treasury bills is hovering at 3.5% right now. The one year bond is, is at the 4.6% level state tax exempt. That's that's the yield you get for facing your own government. And so if you get can get this on T-bills, that's the first place your money should go. After that, you can optimize, but start with T-bills, 
put it through us if you can um, in the vault at, at Boney. But that's the rate, 3.5, 4.6%. Those are those are very large yield that can make a huge difference on anyone's cash. And that's something to everyone should have those numbers on the back of their mind. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news.